Welcome to the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. As investigators and mediators focused on regulatory and workplace conflicts, we have seen a thing or two and learned a thing or two. In each episode, we will be speaking with industry leaders in regulation, human resources and law, as well as thought leaders and top performers in investigations and mediation. We bring our audience interesting and cutting edge information on conflict management as it relates to professional regulation and workplace disputes. This industry is one of many views and we have to say that some views shared by our guests are not necessarily shared by the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast, its hosts or sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Bernard and Associates, trusted investigation and mediation professionals since 2004. Now here's your host, Dean Bernard. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the podcast, and thank you for listening. Today's guest is a man who I've had the pleasure of working with over the years and who's been what I believe a very strong advocate for fairness in the regulatory process. Josh Kazabraki is the principal lawyer and founder of Kazabraki Law. Josh is an experienced litigation lawyer and advocate who has appeared extensively before the courts, tribunals, and regulatory bodies. His practice focuses on defending professionals in regulatory and disciplinary proceedings. He works with professionals in difficult and challenging situations involving their license to practice. Josh has represented professionals before licensing bodies from the complaint process and investigations all the way through to disciplinary hearings. And he has appeared as counsel at numerous regulatory hearings and at all levels of court, including the Supreme Court of Canada. Josh is a strong advocate for the rights of professionals who are experiencing a complaint against them and the investigation or potential discipline matter that they could face. A little bit more about Josh before we let him have a few words here. He's certified by the Law Society of Ontario as a specialist in health law. He's been recognized by Best Lawyers in Canada for his work in administrative and public law, professional malpractice law, and healthcare law. He's also recognized as a Lexpert-ranked lawyer in the 2021 Canadian Legal Lexpert Dictionary. I wanted to have Josh join us today because I want him to speak to us about the defense perspective in regulatory investigations. Obviously, as investigators, we really want to be fair and ensure professionals are treated with dignity and respect in the process. And Josh has that perspective of what it's like to be on the other side. As he represents his clients, I felt that he would have some important things that he could share with us and enlighten us a little bit. One caveat to keep in mind is that his comments and thoughts today are not legal advice, but rather just him sharing knowledge so we can all learn. So with all of that, Josh, welcome to the show. Dean, thank you for the kind and generous introduction. I'm very grateful that you focused on the importance of fairness in the regulatory process. And I would add that for a just regulatory system, fairness should be expected by all parties including the regulatory colleges, the public, and critically from my perspective, the professional members subject to complaints, investigations, and disciplinary matters. Dean, your team has always recognized that professional members have the right to properly defend themselves against what can be serious allegations that jeopardize their ability to practice the chosen profession, which they have worked so hard to be licensed by. I'm very pleased to be here today to talk about the regulatory and disciplinary process for professionals. 
Well, that's great, Josh. Thank you so much. You know, we take a lot of pride in being fair to all the parties that we deal with. And I can think of many times that we've provided professionals that we're investigating the information that they need so that they understand that they have a right to retain legal counsel. It's not advice that we give, but rather sharing information that really they have a right to know. And as investigators, I think it's important that we deal with everyone that we're dealing with fairly. And that's a big one. The reality, too, is that legal counsel often help to make the process smoother. So there's a little self-interest in there from our perspective because they understand the process and they can guide their clients through the process. And it really makes our lives a lot easier as well. So, Josh, you represent many different clients in their dealings with regulatory bodies. Can you tell us a little more about the types of professionals that you represent? Sure. In short, If a professional is regulated to practice in Ontario or Canada, we represent them. Often we work with both health professionals and other regulated professions. So we typically represent health professionals like dentists, doctors, pharmacists, optometrists, massage therapists, psychologists, nurses, chiropodists, and veterinarians, to name a few. We also represent non-health professionals like accountants, lawyers, social workers, and architects. There are not too many lawyers who focus their legal practice on defending professionals like us, so we will pretty much represent any regulated professional. Oh, that's a long list too, and I'm sure the list is longer than the one that you provided. Now, I'm curious, is there any difference defending different types of professions? So, for example, what's it like defending a veterinarian versus defending an accountant? I mean, I assume there's probably some process and legislative differences to contend with, especially if it's a health profession, for example, compared to a non-health profession? Well, as lawyers, we are not experts in the different professions and the associated standards of practice. But we certainly over time have developed a general understanding of what is required for a dentist, a veterinarian, or a pharmacist from a standards perspective, which is by nature fundamentally different than the standards of, say, an accountant. Each regulated college has its own set of rules but largely they are very similar and rely on general legal principles like procedural fairness. For example, if a matter is referred to the discipline committee for a hearing, all colleges require fulsome disclosure so that the professional member can know the case they have to answer. In Ontario, the health colleges are all regulated by the Regulated Health Professions Act. So that is a set of uniform rules that would apply to the health colleges. In addition, the divisional court typically acts as an appeal body for the discipline committees of various regulated colleges, so precedents from one profession could be relevant and potentially binding on another profession. That said, we always try to be familiar with the professional standards in question. If we are representing a dentist who performed a root canal, we need to make sure we have some basic understanding of the process to properly defend an allegation. If we feel we need to retain an expert, that is another avenue to potentially explore to have a better understanding of a certain profession. Well, so it's really not a whole lot different than us as investigators. It's the same idea. We're not experts in any of these professions, but we have to become, I guess, what you might argue to be very well-informed lay people of those professions, because we have to understand a lot of the ins and outs of what they do and how, you know, how things are done. So that, now that makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm curious, when you first meet a client facing a complaint or a regulatory investigation, a discipline hearing, what's the first steps that you take in dealing with your client? Well, invariably, the first step I take is to take a moment to get to know my clients. I have great respect for the regulators. But if there's one message I have for all of them is just how incredibly stressful the process can be 
for the professional members. Regulators and lawyers know that some cases are more serious than others, but all professionals feel concerned and stressed when people and often their own clients make a complaint which amounts to questioning their professional integrity. By taking some time to try and get to know our clients, we can gain a better understanding of who the professional is and why this issue is significant for their practice and their life. After an initial meeting, I typically make sure our office contacts the regulator to let them know we are counsel and to deal with us going forward. This step is really important because not only will we do everything in our power to respond to the regulator's requests in a professional manner, it allows the professional member to be satisfied that someone who knows what they are doing is dealing with the regulator on their behalf. Right. And so it makes a lot of sense for you to want to really understand all of your clients, not only from a professional perspective, but also from a human perspective, I would say. Now, I'm sure that some of the clients that you deal with who are facing a complaint or an investigation, you know, they want to mitigate their situation any way they can. And I'm wondering what some of the things might be that you would advise your client to do when they're dealing with the regulator. Dean, I'm a big believer in professional demonstrating insight and governability to their regulators. What I mean by that is if it is clear cut that a professional member has made a mistake, I believe they will be best served at their regulator by acknowledging the concern and taking proactive steps to show that they are taking it seriously. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't be in disagreement with the regulator, but when it is clear cut, taking responsibility is the way to go in my opinion. We work with our professional members to take proactive steps, including arranging mentorships with professionals, various counseling, including on professional ethics, and urging the taking of relevant professional courses approved by their regulators. Some regulators, like for example, the Royal College of Dental Surgeons, even have an individual signed in the college to help set up these type of courses. That's good that the regulators assist a lot of the professionals in finding access to some of these things. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about investigators dealing with your clients and dealing with the process. And, you know, we know that that investigators, generally speaking, they should anyway, understand that the regulatory context, their role really is a, a neutral fact gatherer, right? They're not decision makers. But from time to time, I imagine there are controversies that come up or challenges that come up in the process of investigation. And I'm wondering what some issues are that might arise where you might take issue with an investigator's approach. You know, Can you tell us what some of those scenarios might be? Sure. Well, the number one concern I have is when investigators who know legal counsel has been retained approach a professional member directly by any means. When counsel is retained, investigators are obliged to go through counsel. Members can be nervous and they may jeopardize their own defense if they respond on their own. When counsel has been retained, investigators should not go directly to a member, but work with the lawyer. I tell all my clients, whether they are physicians, accountants, or even lawyers themselves, they have a duty to cooperate with their regulator. We, as their retained counsel, will help facilitate that process and try to protect them. Yeah, that's a really good point about dealing with legal counsel when they're retained. I go back 
over 20 years ago and my first dealings in regulatory investigations. And that was a process or a, an expectation that was placed on me that I learned very, very early on. So you have to let me know if any of our investigators ever do that, but I'm pretty sure ours wouldn't. <laughs> now, is, is there any advice, and I know it's not legal advice, but is there any advice that you can offer investigators from your perspective in the manner that they deal with defense counsel and their clients? I would say try to understand how stressful complaints and investigations are for the members, for the professional members themselves. We know investigators are just doing their jobs investigating a complaint. You are required by legislation to do so. Similarly, professional members, often through their lawyers, are just doing their jobs defending allegations. Seeing professionals as humans will go a long way. Professionals often largely personally identify themselves with their jobs. At the same time, professionals can make mistakes. They can be significant or minor. Most of these errors will not result in the revocation of a member's license. Remembering professionals have lives, families, and obligations will matter when considering how to approach an investigation. Yes, I completely agree with you. And having respectful and professional relationships with defense counsel and those being investigated really is important. None of this is personal, right? As you pointed out, we all have a job to do. And sometimes we deal with legal counsel who are not familiar with regulatory law and their requests, frankly, and sometimes their demeanor isn't always in keeping with what is typically an amicable process. Do you have any suggestions for managing these scenarios? I realize this is not an easy question to answer, though. I mean, that is a challenging question, but I'll do my best. Ideally, all professionals would hire lawyers familiar with the professional regulation discipline process. But that's just not the case. And professionals do have a right to their counsel of choice. I think as an investigator, you just need to be patient and continue to follow the appropriate course for a fair investigation. Sometimes professionals decide not to hire counsel altogether, and that's also a choice that they can make. What we try to do at our firm is educate members of the various regulated professions on the process. I find this can help explain how counsel who focus their legal practice on professional regulation can make a positive impact in ensuring a professional member gets the fairest possible result. Okay. And I've got another one for you. I have to ask this question. This is a little bit more about you, but I'm wondering, you know, most people don't go to law school thinking that they're going to practice in the regulatory field. What attracted you to this area of law and in particular specializing in defense work? Thanks, Dean. Well, I admit it took some time to develop the interest. Most law schools do not have courses on professional regulation and discipline. It came to me through practical hands-on experience as a younger lawyer. I spent the earlier parts of my career at Bay Street firms where I was fortunate to represent physicians in regulatory, civil, and criminal matters. I also had the opportunity to work as a Crown Prosecutor. Over time, I realized that professional regulation and discipline was the perfect hybrid of civil and criminal litigation. But best of all, from my perspective, I get to help individual professionals one at a time defend themselves and work to continue their practice. About five years ago, I founded my firm, Kazabraki Law, to focus exclusively on professional regulation and discipline and haven't regretted a minute. Well, you know, it's amazing that it's been five years because I remember when you started Kazabraki Law and I was, you know, really very pleased to see that you did that. And it's amazing that five years has passed already. And Josh, I got to say, it's really clear that you've made a great choice in the direction that you've taken. And I know that there's probably many professionals thankful that they chose you to help them. 
So I'm going to shift gears here a little bit, because as our regular listeners know, on every episode of the podcast, I like to learn a little more about our guests and have them share a little bit about their off-work interests. So what are some of the things near and dear to Josh when he isn't in the trenches of regulatory law? Thanks, Dean. I love working with my team at Cause of Brocky Law and helping all means of professionals understand the professional regulation and discipline process. But when I'm not doing that, I'm spending time with my wife and three active boys enjoying a glass of wine in beautiful Prince Edward County, exploring the great city of Toronto, loving the world's greatest rock band, Wilco, cheering on the Raptors championships, and hopefully increasingly in the days to come, traveling the world, trying to gain new perspective on people. Yeah, I could definitely relate to the travel piece. My wife and I are both big travelers. And in the last 18 months, that's really been stifled quite dramatically. So I agree, we're all waiting for that time we can start to explore the world again a little bit more. Josh, I really do want to thank you, though, for agreeing to be a guest on the show. I'm sure that I join our listeners in saying how helpful and informative your thoughts were today. You shared some important insights, and it really was a pleasure speaking with you. I know that some people are going to want to connect with you. So can you let them know how best to reach you? Sure. Thanks, Dean. It's always a pleasure chatting with you as well. Uh, The best place to contact me is through our firm's website, causebrockylaw.com. I know it's a mouthful. K-O-Z-I-E-B-R-O-C-K-I-L-A-W.com. Thank you very much, Dean. Well, that's awesome. All right, everybody. Well, that is a wrap for this episode. Thanks again for listening. And please send us your comments and suggestions. Our goal with this podcast and everything we do is constant and never-ending improvement. Your feedback really helps us with that. So we can bring you interesting and helpful content with each new episode that we produce. All of our podcasts get linked to our website at bernardinc.com. You can also find all of the podcast episodes on the Bernard and Associates YouTube channel. And if you want to reach me, you can reach me by email at dbernard at bernardinc.com or find me on LinkedIn by searching Dean Bernard. Again, Josh, thank you so much. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time on the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. Bye-bye, everybody.